Today's podcast is brought to you by Bombfell. For $25 off your first purchase, visit bombfell.com slash TWD. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. Oh, I'm Aaron. And we just uh, yesterday watched, or two days ago, I don't know, it's been a long week, uh, season eight, episode two, titled Dog Shit. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? Wait, it was The Damned. Oh. The Damned uh, oh, Dog the, Shit. The Damned. Uh, you know, my first thought was, what the fuck? This, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know why people are here. I don't know why people are there. I'm not pre- they, they left the viewer out of the war planning council, uh, which is a bold choice. Uh, the second time, I feel like I know what's going on, but I'm still perplexed about a lot of the stuff, like the, the retreading of old ground, the thing that I dreaded the most, the thing that... In, in the preview podcast, I talked about like them, I think, finally turning a corner. Like, when all out war, you're not going to do a bunch of morgalizing. Nope, I was wrong. Um, uh-huh. So, I was expecting to come in here and just tear asses all over the place. I'm only going to half tear asses now. So, okay. Uh, well, I'll tear the other half of the ass because I think, yes, despite the fact that you can, if you look at it, follow the action and say, okay, I think this is what's happening here. It's still so messily executed that it it leaves you like trying to figure out what the hell is going on instead of watching the plot unfold as you understand what's going to happen, which I think is important for something like this. You need to understand what the stakes are. You need to understand if like how things are going to go wrong and right, not like are things going right? Like, is this yeah. how it's supposed to be going down? You're I don't understand. You're fully halfway through the episode before you can, before it's possible to understand what's going on. Yeah, they they start off without saying anything, and and they treat it's it's like they film this war scene like it's a heist, which I guess it is, sort of. But I mean, they're looking for guns, like like you know, Ocean's Eleven style twisty. Oh, how are they going to get out of this? And we're not, we don't fully understand all the. But you know, even Ocean's Eleven had the fucking schematic where they say right. here's the thing and this is how much money this is in and here's all the things we're going to be up against we don't mm-hmm. know and we, we we only have half answers to how they're going to get around that but we understand the objective here yeah negan's being pinned down at a central location while we simultaneously assault several locations mm-hmm. we don't find out why and until... you're not trying to figure out if they're trying to steal the money or kill anthony garcia right exactly like what right. are they trying imagine to that. do? Yeah, imagine that. Like, it's like, are, are they trying to assassinate? Because there's like, right. Julia Roberts is up in his balcony with a sniper <laughs> rifle, while George Clooney is dressed up as a SWAT officer. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah I, um, what I think is really interesting is, I, I speaking of the damned, I, I, I spent a lot of time this morning on r slash The Walking Dead. Oh, boy. And looking at the meta conversation that like you know you've got the pro fans and you got the anti fans and the pro fans are essentially saying because i think most of the anti fans are just like fuck off so it seems like 
there's a lot of pro fans running amok saying, oh, all you whiners and complainers, like last season you said it's too boring and slow and dialogue heavy. This season you're saying it's too action heavy. You're just no pleasing you. And like, yeah, this is action heavy, but to what end? Yeah. It's not it's not bad because it's action heavy. Right. That, that's not the problem here. It's messily constructed. It is poorly executed on a lot of different levels. I and then if you can't, I did not like. And that's this the thing. Like if you can't understand the basis of the complaint, mm-hmm. then it's so frustrating to see people. It, it reminds me of a lot of political threads where people are just taking straw man arguments of each other's positions, and then you know using that as a basis to criticize it it's just it's bizarre it's it's dumb and this show yeah, it's just a bunch of people talking past each other which yeah i and we're gonna I guess do it to that's a how it's gonna go yeah um <laughs> although i think the people who are listening to us at this point are probably not the world's biggest fans of the walking dead yeah um i know there are certainly some out there um who maybe you know love the show and appreciate when someone will uh point out its flaws but also are not ready to abandon it. And I think there's still, like, there's a couple things I think they did very well in this episode. Um, few, but I think, and uh, and I'll definitely be talking about that, but the big thing is, like, I'm, I'm currently watching season five going on to season six of True Blood with my wife. Don't ask me how we got in this kick. <laughs> I'm not going to explain myself. But True Blood <laughs> is a very stupid show. Okay. Um, but the difference between True Blood late season True Blood and The Walking Dead is that, you know, True Blood does a lot of stupid shit, um, but it it always does things that are super awesome and fun and gets you like that. Like, you know, in in the climax of season five, the main character turns into a vampire god. That's stupid, and it breaks the series, and it's like, well, but but it's also kind of like, well, shit, I kind of want to see how... Like, how are they going to kill this vampire god character? I mean, is it a case of them knowing what they are? Like, understanding that? Because this episode clearly does not understand what Walking Dead is. I think that their primary thing is, like, let's not... Let's always break new ground. Because mm-hmm. the discovery of these situations, sometimes it leads to just crazy power creep and yeah. and, and characters that don't make sense and, and, and motivations. But at least you're you're not going to bore the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And The Walking Dead, like, even in the midst of all-out war, in the middle of a gunfight, we got two main characters arguing whether we should capture a person or not mm-hmm. who they've just captured and who instantly betrayed them. Yeah, no, this That's is... St- stupid it's fucking stupid yeah it's it's incredibly stupid and it's like the whole time i was watching it my blood pressure rose and i had this throbbing vein in my forehead and then they get the drop on the guy and jesus starts hog tying him i'm just like why should i care why should i care about why should i care more about these people's lives and their objectives and their war than these people do and it would be one thing maybe i would say okay well that wasn't great maybe tara should have killed him but if this wasn't, but that would be the case if this wasn't the 15th time we've been through this with every fucking character on the show. Yes. Every single character you can think of has had this arc. Yes. And it's beyond, I'm over it at this point. I don't ever want to fucking see somebody worry about should we or should we not kill this person. And the other thing is, 
they're setting up this whole thing with Rick, like let my mercy override my vinge- my my wrath or whatever. Which mercy means he's my back wrath. to the same thing. He's- Which means the whole season we're going to be eventually grappling with this. So why do I need yeah. to see every fucking lieutenant and every bu- you know? Why do I need to see this all happen? You don't. And it's eighth season, and it's the eighth season where we've seen this. We we've seen this literally every season. I can't. I can't even. I can't even imagine what goes through the writer's head when they say we need another season of this. Yeah. Like we This don't... is the core issue that we're going to be I mean maybe that's the thing. They just think that's the core issue that they're going to be grappling with the entire series and they have to do it over and over again and I it's it becomes repetitious and completely boring at some point. And and the point is now. And the other I'm thing over is it. this shit doesn't the other thing is this shit doesn't happen in the comics this way. Like, I'm not saying that there's not any wrestling of because again again this all out war is as much is as much a war for morality and ethics and what kind of people we're going to be as it is a war of territory and sure. supply and attrition. And the comics realize that, but the comics also realize that you have to fucking win the war. Yeah. To and then like it's it's how you remake the piece that decides what and and where it's like you don't like this one feels like well shit if we have gone twenty minutes without someone you know navel gazing morgalizing then people might forget that you know like yeah. Rick's the good guy but is he because he's got this baby and oh the saviors care about their babies too it's and then they try this stuff at the beginning with yeah. the faces and the end with the faces Which, that's just a bizarre and directorial choice I, I think. Okay, they're clearly going for something here, but A, it's very hard to tell what it is, and mm. B, if you can dig through the bullshit and the poor execution and the laughable choices here, uh, I, I don't know that what you get to isn't just, once again, the same thing we've been getting to for eight seasons. Right. And it's not worth digging. It's not worth trying to figure out what they mean, because what they mean is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, like when, like last night we were talking about how much we were dreading this, and I'm like, I yeah. was at the point where like I kind of wanted to run the director out of town uh, <laughs> of this episode, uh, if not the the whole writing staff. But uh-huh. I feel like maybe, I, although every time I want to like, okay, well, this director's not terrible. I think about the face montage. Oh, it's the face montage. It's the the, the poorly the lingering staged. shots, the poor poor action staging. Yeah, it's yeah. everything. Yeah, everything is bad here, and it's at the director's feet in in this case. Yeah, well, I mean, um, not I think all there's of it. a lot I mean, of writers like, are... like yeah, having a thing where you just got two people that <laughs> it's the world's longest drive by, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> drive by interrupted. Like they pull up, they do, and then they just pin and like they're. Then their plan is like, well, we just have to keep him here and let the zombies take care of it, which mm-hmm. that's – I mean, we've established a long time that the zombies are not the true threat in the world. They're Hell, yeah. you know, Carol, Ezekiel, and Jerry and all them fought off a herd of zombies half concussed. Mm-hmm. And this badass Mara, like, oh, my God, we, we, we've been fucking around and there's zombies coming. And as she's realizing that, a zombie just kind of waltzes up to her and bites her. Yeah. As she has a pistol, as she, as she has a rifle, as she has a knife. And, like, you know, that's – that you can t- – there is a way to tell that pe- action beat mm-hmm. without making Mara look like a fucking fool. Yeah. But that's not the way to do it. No, they they didn't. They just don't. They don't care on this show. And I'm not saying it's necessarily like the director who doesn't care or a specific writer who doesn't care. It's it's everyone up like who's not on screen doesn't seem to care. Yeah. They they, they just like if 
Or they just don't are they aren't given the things they need, which in that case the upper executives don't care. I think it's a little bit of like because like I had the other thing I had hope is all this lawsuit stuff is gonna put pressure on AMC to actually, you know, <laughs> Um, come you know, come correct and give the fans what they deserve. But mm-hmm. if, I don't know, man. The hardcore fan base, like, did you see that 95% of the front page of the r slash The Walking Dead is people that have paid $2,000 for the privilege posing with Andrew Lincoln and Jeffrey Dean Morgan at Walker Stalker Con. <laughs> and these, that's what's the... That's, How much? It yeah to get like the big three Andrew Lincoln um, uh, who plays Maggie uh, uh, shit Cohen Lord yeah. and and Jeffrey Dean Morgan I guess like to get that you have to be a platinum VIP because else the 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 there's a limited number of passes they quickly sell out and then the wow. lines are such that you can't you can't get it so you're paying between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars holy shit to get those opportunities so it's like. When you've got that kind of demand, uh, and you got that kind of allegiance, why yeah. not? What? Where? There's no. There's. There's no. You know. There's no. There's no competitive pressure. There's. There's yeah. unlimited demand for it. I mean, I guess. I guess I would tell the executives, look, you can't sustain your business model with that. Your business model here is not selling two thousand dollar autographs to people. Your business model, well, yeah. is selling eyeballs to advertisers and they've and, lost 60 percent of their audience in right the last and two every seasons. single season their their audience is going down uh-huh. it's just going down and if you don't see that as a consequence of the poor execution on this show and the yeah. poor support you're giving it then i don't know what to tell you right i mean it's not like you know we see the same thing and kind of like there's very few shows in the golden age of television that do that because mm-hmm. it seems like with you know on-demand streaming and stuff the audiences just keep bigger and bigger and bigger there's a couple exceptions like uh, you know, Mr. Robot mm-hmm. um, is just not finding an audience. I, I, you know, I think they had a kind of disappointing second season, but this third season so far. But you know, they've lost people. The Walking Dead. Yeah. That that's the lesson. Once you lose people, it's very hard to get them back. Mm-hmm. So, should we talk about the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Man, there's so much stuff going on at BaldMove.com. And in 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 case you're wondering, man, has Jim and Aaron lost ability to appreciate television? I'm here to say that we haven't. If you, uh, we just we just wrapped up a marathon of all nine episodes of season two of Stranger Things on Netflix. We did a podcast for every episode. Did it this weekend. It's out there right now. Seth and I recorded a podcast on Suburbicon last night. Uh, we got the Thor podcast coming out for Thor Ragnarok this week. Um, lots of other cool stuff. We got you know, of course, Walking Dead. We got Mr. Robot. We got American Horror Story. Um. Another piece of housekeeping is this weekend, we are going to be in Huntsville, Alabama for the Rocket City NerdCon. Uh, Huntsville is actually a really cool town. It's the the birthplace of a lot of uh, space exploration type activities and a hub of NASA. Uh, And we're going to be down there. Uh, We're going to be doing a live podcast. We're going to be doing a panel on uh, like how how to, 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 to how to, to, how to podcast with a Q and A. We're going to be doing a red wedding kind of like mock little thing where we dress up like a Walter Frey and Roose Bolton and try to murder a bunch of Starks. Try to aid and abet Frey's murdering Starks at the red wedding. And audience can participate. There'll be prizes. It's going to be cool. We're going to be hanging out at the booth if we're not at a panel uh, all day Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Tickets are still available at RocketCityNerdCon.org. Uh, you can get the the date and the time, the location, and uh, pre-register your tickets if you'd like. Uh, hope to see you down there. Uh, again, rocketcitynerdcon.org. Uh, so we open up with the face montage. I 
have no idea what narrative or dramatic purpose this is serving. Um, in fact, I don't know why. I don't know why they showed the initial part of the raid last episode mm-hmm. because it's unnecessarily confusing. You got Ezekiel and Carol rolling around in smoke because they just got blown up. Um, you've got these saviors at some outpost, which we don't know if it's the one. You know, we already saw like like Daryl and Rick assaulting this compound right at last episode after Shitty Bow Girl said she couldn't take the shot, and yeah. now this we is don't like, know if the entire group is together assaulting one compound or if they're right, separate. Right, and and there's these savers out there cleaning guns, and some guy gets sent to his room because he mm-hmm. wasn't cleaning guns properly, and that's a punishment. And I I don't understand, like. I- th- the setup for the scene just seems ridiculous. Like, why are they cleaning guns on the outside? If they're expecting attack, why the fuck are they cleaning guns? Why do they have their guns field stripped? Uh, they're being... not. I guess they're not expecting an attack. Like, they get caught off guard. But uh, the thing that struck me is how this woman seems to hear or see something off screen. She's the only one yeah, she's, who has I any think inclination she's, she's that something's coming. She's checking with her guards, and she realizes one of them's dead. Well, she gets suspicious before she checks with the guards. Yeah. She looks off in the distance and kind of, hmm, what right. was that? But nobody else hears it. Um, but she's, she realizes... And we don't hear it as an audience. Right. She realizes something's up in time for the drive-by, um, and yeah. this, you know, Aaron and Eric and a bunch of dudes pull up and just start hosing the place down. Uh, we then cut to a scene where there's a the, they establish there's a moat of walkers around a satellite station. Again, this seems like a scene that happened before Shitty Bogirl said she couldn't take the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan says, "I don't die, uh, so I'll volunteer to creep up to the fence and cause a distraction." Uh, Ezekiel and Carol's group are all stunned, rolling around in the floor, and they're overwhelmed by walkers. Uh, Jerry gets to be a badass, although mm-hmm. he did kind of overextend on that uh, follow through. Yeah, he... Good way to slip a disc, Jerry. Keep he, it tight. He gets one good swing, and then he's pretty much out of commission for a while. I feel like he slipped on some fake blood, and he looks to the director like, or retake. She's, no, no, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. A, a guy like you would probably struggle with that swing anyway. <laughs> it's so a heavy it's axe. Very, very, very Ed Wood in the direction. Yeah. Um, they explain that they've lost track at the grenade chucker, uh, and that they're disturbed because if he gets off and warns the group, then they're not going to be able to prevail because they'll be attacking a dug-in opponent. And Ezekiel's not disturbed by this, but Carol is. Ezekiel's not disturbed by a damn thing. Well, he's playing a person who's not. He's playing the part <laughs> of a man who's not disturbed. That he is. Uh, which, again, has been explained to us at least mm-hmm. once before. We'll, I, I think, be, we'll belabor it again. Don't worry. Yeah, the the funny part is I think that line from him uh, where he says, fake it till you make it, baby, is the best part of this episode. It was sad, but true. Well, that's good advice in general. Uh. Um, so there's this drive-by, and apparently the plan is to keep the defenders occupied outside while Rick and Daryl go in with a small commando team, and it turns out they're looking for heavy heavy weapons i think what they're trying to do here is keep the heavy weapons pinned down like either take the heavy weapons for themselves which would be nice or at the very least keep the heavy weapons people from going to helping the hit the saviors but but we don't know that yet this is stuff we find out by a later conversation rick has after glancing at a piece of paper right so Morgan uh, sneaks up to the satellite outpost fence that they previously had massacred in another season and rattles the zombie cage, predictably drawing to them to the single spot. The guards are dispatched silently with a bow and a silenced pistol. Uh, and then Morgan has a staring contest with the zombies. Yeah, what the fuck? This is on the director. Why are you 
doing six seconds of Morgan just looking at zombies. I mean, the reason is because they're suggesting that the that the clearing insane Morgan is warring with the goat cheese making uh, Aikido Morgan, like the sides of his personality. And they even play. Why like, is he even here? <laughs> if that's going to be like. This is the moment where it all it all starts flashing back for him. Um, that's that's the story they're telling. Uh, inside the station, Tara finds a sign that says "Tommy says kill the bitches," which is appropriate. Uh, I mean, I, I, apropos of it's just something to piss off Tara. Did you even sure. notice it? No. <laughs> There's like a mm-hmm. pharmacy window, and I, I, I don't know. I saw an arrow drawn to a bullet hole. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what that meant either. Uh. Morgan's group that he's he's got two guys with him. One I kind of recognize, another guy I don't. One guy's about to literally piss his pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, shaky Pete, shaky Pete. Uh, Rick is pouring over Dwight's notes. I th- I assume this is intelligence Dwight's given them about the compound. That's how yeah. they know where all the hit. And it says that there are uh, heavy there are there are heavy guns. And it's at this location, and they find out the stairwells have been locked. A measure that uh, Mara, the main guard outside, inst- in, in, uh, instituted as soon as she got wind of the attack. Um, outside, the saviors are dropping fast, but they are trying to flank the uh, Alexandrians. Um, and Aaron keeps everybody on task with pinning them in. I think Eric then moves off to head off the flank, but again. I have no idea what the strategy or tactics are because they pulled up to a courtyard that's sealed off on three sides by brick walls. Mm -hmm. They have the other side completely surrounded, so these guys can try to push out all they want, but I don't know why (laughs) you'd have to move the flank in either position. You might have to swivel 45 degrees to cover all the corners, but... I I, I I don't know, but it gives Aaron a reason to be super worried. Yeah, I, th- this is just a poorly staged fight scene. Yeah. Um, it's, it, like you said, we don't have a good idea of where anyone is exactly and where they're moving to or why they're moving that direction. Because um, we don't see, we don't clearly enough see the threats and our heroes, right. for lack of a better word. Uh, Aaron is also on the other on the wrong side of cover just standing there yeah. shooting people uh-huh. yep. in straight view of everybody right for a good 30 seconds right he's just standing straight up out there he's yeah. gonna get his ass shot like yeah. that's just a he's stupid... standing in between cover and he's looking over at eric like he's worried about him worry about your own ass because yeah, you're yeah. completely open yeah um it's i mean just it's such a badly staged thing it's like the battle of hoth only you don't know what the walkers are trying to get to and the walkers are coming from five different directions uh-huh like whoa, whoa what the the you know the clock tower just blew up are the rebels fucked i i don't know um so morgan's group this is this is one of the stupidest things in a whole episode they're sitting there pissing their pants outside the door they're all three there with weapons pointed a savior opens the door. They successfully shoot him. He drops. There's four saviors behind them that have guns at their waist. There's like two full seconds. Mm-hmm. The saviors raise their weapons and blast all of our the good guys. Yeah. I don't know how they didn't get blown away. 
I mean, I think they could have told a story where as soon as the guy went down, the saviors had their guns ready and firing. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know why this cuts it. I don't. I mean, no, it's poor staging. Again, all around. I can overlook it. I get what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. but why should I have to? Well, why this is, is there where... two full seconds where they just stare yeah. at each other? And the thing is, like. You can't say that Alexanders weren't ready to kill someone because they just, <laughs> they just fucking did. killed the guy in front of them. Yeah, they were ready to kill everyone in that room. It's not like what well, that thing in like fucking like Band of Brothers or no, the scene from like uh, um, Saving Private Ryan where the mm-hmm. wall drops and there's like suddenly six Nazis and six Allied guys yeah. and they're like, they don't oh know what shit, like what the fuck? It's like they killed half the Nazis and then like, okay, now what are we going to do? And the other Nazi blasts them. I, it's, it's dumb. And it's this dumb. is where the argument that, hey, it was super action-packed falls apart because it's not... It, Action for the sake of action is not interesting, right. and especially when it is poorly staged, badly executed action. Right. Uh, I don't believe that any of these people are are doing things that would keep them alive or or accomplish their objective at any moment mm-hmm. because of how poorly executed it is. Uh, so we find out Rick and Dara are looking for M2s or the Browning fifty caliber machine guns, affectionately known as the Modus. Uh, these would be heavy weapons indeed, would they? I mean, they, these are badass, badass guns uh, okay. capable of destroying vehicles, infantry, and even aircraft. Um, they decide to split up to find this uh, game-changing weaponry faster because you always want to split the party. Uh, Terra and Jesus find what I'm going to call Piss Boy locked up in a closet. He says, I'm not one of them. I'm just a worker on the Death Star. I'm just peeling potatoes and sweeping floors. Jesus says, wait, we don't shoot people with their hands up. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. This is kind of Jesus' MO. Tara then is incensed to find the hilltop medicine, including all of Maggie's prenatal vitamins, just hoarded here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Piss Boy then takes this opportunity to jump Jesus and take him prisoner. And, and this is another one of those scenarios where it's what the fuck staging. Because this guy's able to knock Jesus over. Take mm-hmm. his gun, throw a shelf down on him, then pull Jesus up out from under the shelf and yeah. put the gun to his head before Tara can even think why, why to shoot Tara's him. going, wubba, wubba, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Jesus, th- this is Jesus who's like panther quick, lightning mm-hmm. f- reflexes, uh, martial arts at the wazoo, mm-hmm. and Piss Boy gets the upper hand at him while he's being covered by Tara this this isn't getting it done, man. And then they give him this shitty dialogue, which is, do you know how hard it is to piss yourself on purpose? Mm-hmm. I don't. I just be, did it right fair. now. It's not hard. And I just ha- I just have the pressure of, a, of doing a terrible podcast. Like, it's it's it's, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be miserable for the next hour, but it's super easy. It's like your dick knows how bad the episode was. <laughs> and then the guy, the guy steps on the prenatal vitamins, which undercuts the other story which is the savers aren't bad guys because they had these prenatal vitamins because they fucking have babies yeah so this asshole steps on a prenatal vitamins um there's this stupid standoff and tara for her credit is not going to have like she's just going to blast this guy she's got the shot she's like from three foot away and the fact that she doesn't blows my mind trust me when i say that this is a shot that anybody could make yeah especially someone like tara who's had I mean, she was pretty rough on the guns back in season four. She she knows her way around it now. 
So I mean, there are easy shots everywhere. Aaron, when he was out from undercover, yeah. you see an overhead shot. He's 10 feet away from these people. Right. With automatic weapons, every right. single one of them. What right. the fuck? I mean, that can make it maybe harder, but... A Not single, when there yeah. are 30 of you shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, to, after talking a mess, he goes to shoot Tara, and at that split second, Jesus disarms him, and then hog ties him mm-hmm. after he's just been betrayed by this guy. And then Tara goes up and puts two in his head. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> fuck. That does not happen. Uh, we go to a scene where Morgan, who we thought might have been hosed down in the doorway massacre of oh, 2017, never forget, <laughs> is faking on the ground. The other survivor to another guy who's faking. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> he faked Morgan too. He was good. I'm pretty sure that the the, narr- the narration here is this guy is not dead. He's dying, yes. and he's seeing Morgan, who just said, "I never die." Get up, uh-huh. and that's supposed to be, but. They're doing a terrible job of telling that story, and the other story they're telling is of an actor who cannot hold his breath or stop from blinking for 10 seconds. Unless that's a point. But then they've missed the other point, which is let us know what the hell he's thinking. Right. Somehow. And it's, yeah. So... we need What we needed was a flashback to when Morgan said, I do not die. Or Morgan could have said, like, to let us know that he's really off the deep end, could have just looked at the guy and says, I told you, I never die. And then pick up his machine gun and and And, and, and then hose him off. down. <laughs> <laughs> or there's the other thing. Is like, there's a lot of, like, lack of, like, tapping people, like your allies, <laughs> like putting them in the yep. head so they don't return to zombies. And I can forgive that. Yeah. Um, it's the heat of the moment. You know, they think they got him. I guess. Uh, so outside with Aaron, uh, Tolbin, who I usually refer to as Carhartt, but they actually named his. Uh, he actually named the character in the scene, so I felt like it had been super lazy for not <laughs> to not call him Tobin. But yeah, Carhartt takes a bullet and he says, "It's okay. My rough, my rough spun outerwear stopped it." Uh, the dead begin to rise, and Mara realizes this five seconds before she's bit by one of her own, and she's yeah. heavily armed and arm. And, and I, she's grappling with the implications of the dead rising. Yeah, when the implications bite her in the neck. Yeah, like she's been in this world for. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. Maybe she's never seen a zombie. Maybe she was working in that factory. That's in the right. Sanctuary. Yeah, she just she just moved up from gun cleaning. That's why she's super <laughs> a bitch about it. Uh huh. Like, oh, you think you think? Yeah, I don't know. Taking it out. I cleaned those guns for three years. That's right. You're going to give me lip after your first day? Get in there and go to your room. Go piss yourself in the closet. <laughs> Is that the guy that was in the closet pissing himself? No. The gun cleaning guy? No, it's not. Uh, okay, so she gets killed by the zombie, and then Ezekiel explains to Carol... This is the second or maybe third time he's told somebody, and this is the second time he's told Carol that I essentially am faking it till you make it because it keeps the, it, it, it keeps my my troops dicks hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he talks at this, and Carol's very skeptical. One of his men find a bloody trail that the proves that they've hit the savior, which means he's probably kind of gimpy and not moving so fast. And Zico gets them all fired up about being able to drop the savior and winning the day and securing the victory and and all that. So again, we we know this. Carol knows this. Yeah. Like I don't understand. Like she can roll her eyes all she wants, but like none of this is new information. Literally yeah, I... this the day she met Ezekiel, he explained all this to her. Yeah, she he did. So, um we do have an admittedly beautifully shot 
and film sequence of Rick slowly moving down a, ba- uh, a hallway backlit, and yeah. it really does an effective job at building up some tension before he gets jumped by this guy. Yeah, you remember that Governor episode where he had tracked him to this factory and he was stalking him and trying to kill him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it felt like a fucking 80s horror movie. Right, right. That's what this was reminiscent of, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great, but it doesn't help the episode at all. <laughs> You no. can't save the episode. If everything was this staged this well yeah. and thoughtfully, absolutely, then, then you got something. Mm-hmm. But alas, it wasn't. Uh, Rick manages to get the guy into a chokehold and starts interrogating him about where the guns are. The guy denies having guns, so Rick then impales him on a broken shelf bracket, which is kind of awesome. To it tell was. you the truth, it was. Yeah. This is a this is a pretty good this this was a pretty good action scene. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like some of this other shit was B footage or something. I don't know. A the footage. rest of the episode was B footage. Yeah, yeah, no, right, seriously. Like, I wonder if there was like one director who walked off the set when they found out what their budget was, and they had only shot like ten percent of the episode, and it was these scenes. Hmm. Um, so then Morgan uh, John wicks his way through the facility, um, and he's reliving. He's reliving these scenes of Rick assuring Morgan that they can beat the saviors and they can do it the Rick Grimes way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus then talks Tara into accepting the surrender of the remaining survivors, and there's a bunch of them. They're in this garage, and the the Alexandrians have all their guns drawn and ready. So I just assumed they would all get mowed down and massacred. Mm-hmm. Um, but they decide they'd rather live than die, and they put their guns down and go quietly. And Tara says that's okay because Tara might back you, but Rick's going to see things my way. I'm like. I, that'd be pretty metal if Rick mm-hmm. just guns down a whole bunch of prisoners in chains or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, I don't have a problem with them taking the hostages here. Uh, Jesus is an idiot with the other hostage because it, my first question to Jesus in in the scenario before is, what do we do with him? Right. We're in the middle, in the middle of a of fucking gunfight. gunfight. What do we do right, with him? Right. Do we leave him here? Do we tie him up and take him with us? Do we tie him up and leave him here? Yeah. And, and and here's the thing that annoys me is militarily, it's a great tactic to let your enemies sur- surrender and give them terms. Because if they don't and the word gets out, then they fight to the last fucking man. Mm-hmm. So letting them surrender and taking them prisoner makes your military objective easier to achieve. And I wish... Somebody on this show had that little nugget so they could have somebody say, like when like Jesus and Tara having this purely moral argument, somebody could come up and be like, hey, if if they stop fighting and they live, then others, whereas if they stop fighting and we kill them, then they'll never stop fighting. Yeah. So, but that never comes up on the show, mm-hmm. so. Um, they just have this big argument about... Um, Oh, no, Morgan at this point clears his way to the outside. And again, this is super cool. Like, yeah. the, the, the thing that annoys me, the thing that dis- the difference between this and John Wick is we never see who J- Morgan's killing. He's just pointing his gun at a bunch of different directions and firing off two bursts, and you hear bodies dropping mm-hmm. and shells clattering. So it's like budget action, yeah. but it looks good. And he fights his way out, and he's like, you know, it's, it's super bright outside, and he can't believe what he's seeing, which is the Alexandrians taking all these tri- prisoners. And um, he says, and he hears in his flashback Rick saying that they have to come for them before they come for us. They can't leave any of them alive. And uh, then Morgan sees the anti-Jesus guy who kind of looks like Jesus. The rat face fink that started all the shit with Richard. He goes to kill him and Jesus stops him and says, it's not what we do. I... (sighs) 
It's Man, fine. You know, you either take him as prisoner. Or you do don't. you remember how hard it was to for Rick to get Morgan to stop clearing? Do you remember how fucking hard that was? Do you th- you really yeah. believe that Jesus could do it with a Morgan? Well, he's Jesus. That <laughs> was a miracle. That was a goddamn miracle. I mean, he stopped Peter on his rampage. He got he got through one slave's ear and then said, "Jesus healed it up." And said, "Hey, enough of that shit. I know I told you body swords, but Jesus, I just I just meant to teach a lesson, Peter. Calm the fuck down." Uh, so Rick takes the keys off the dead man that he just killed, <laughs> observing the grace be God nipple tattoo the guy's rocking. And finds not guns in the locker room, but a baby nursery. Apparently, this baby's name's Gracie, too, just to really underline the nipple's significance. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap, Jim. Saviors care about babies, too. Yeah. Really, so- so? really softens think, them up. I think that might be their food storage. <laughs> that would be the funny the thing. They're just, they're just breeding livestock to eat now. Yeah. That's, that's what happens when you don't clean the gun right. He was being sent to, <laughs> as, as a stud to, uh-huh. to, to breed livestock. Um, there's a mirror right there over the baby's bed so Rick can get a good long look at himself and yeah. ponder about what he's become. What have I become? And Yeah, think about who you're killing, Rick. Here's here's the biggest asshole Rick move. He killed that guy by impaling him on a shelf bracket. We see his body. There's no headshot. Mm-hmm. He leaves him in the room with this baby. Yeah. That zombie's going to come to life and eat that, that, eat that baby. You're, right. you're absolutely right. Asshole. Asshole Rick. <laughs> So Ezekiel and his other uh, team that he earlier in the episode, he dispatched a runner to say, go get the rest of the dudes and bring them up a Siva. Why he didn't bring them all in this all important all out war mm-hmm. assault on this thing. I don't know. But uh, the CGI tiger comes and tears the shit out of this human. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. God admit. Good thing it was a bad guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll only attack the people that bleed, Shiva. Uh, lots of people continue to die in the fighting outside of the heavy weapons uh, storage facility, I'm going to call it. Double uh, A Ron provides Overwatch to his boyfriend, then hops in a Ford Taurus and runs over a few saviors, which is cool and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Reuniting with his boyfriend to find out he's been shot in the gut. Is E-Rock yeah. going to die? Uh, most likely given how much development he's had recently. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, like, uh, Aaron's been, like, nervously looking at him this entire fight. Yeah. I, th- I thought we were going to see his dome get split, and we're going to get, a, like, a genuine, like, grief-stricken moment from Aaron maybe maybe next week. The, the interesting thing is Aaron runs over these three saviors, right? Pretty sure he didn't headshot them. Mm-hmm. He's just put his group in the same situation of having the walkers behind them. Yeah, right. And in their midst. Yeah. So you better get out of there quick. The zombies cut both ways. Yeah. Uh, and there's there was no, like, sound to retreat or anything. He's just like, no. my boyfriend got shot. I'm getting him out of here, which is fair enough. But I mm-hmm. wonder if that's going to be significant um, next episode. Uh, so Ezekiel's group overhears the uh, dead man's radio saying that the saviors know they're coming. They're getting dug in. They're taking active measures. And their men are like, well, I guess we got to pack it in because the only way we could have won is if we took him by surprise. And Ezekiel says, no, we're going to continue to advance. And he draws a sword, mm-hmm. making me think that they're going to tell a story of when his fake it till you make it strategy doesn't work and gets people killed. Okay. And then he's going to have, we're going to have Morgalizing by the king, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Will it be will it be more interesting if he's slowly petting a tiger as he's moralizing? No. <laughs> what are you riding no. a tiger? Okay. He's riding okay. around a tiger yeah. in a ring as he moralizes. I might watch that. 
Uh, Rick finds a picture of what turns out to be Morales and his old family. You remember Morales? He's back in sure, absolutely. The first yeah, half of him. season one. Yeah, yeah, I remember him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like from the internet, a lot of people didn't. He and just decided to take his family and head off when Rick went to the CDC. The CDC yeah. yeah, yeah, he had had He's enough. Like, nah, uh, not interested. Had enough of sh- Sheriff Rick Grimes. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess here yeah. that Morales' family is no longer around. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, it seems like it. He's with the Saviors now. That seems like a rough place to raise a family. He seems pretty pissed off. Notwithstanding the nursery. Why isn't a nursery in the main Savior compound? Why do they have nurseries at the satellite lift facilities? Uh, we've got nurseries everywhere. You know, you don't want to leave your... You go on the... Uh, I don't know how long their missions are. Like, how long do they stay at the Megan outpost? Megan doesn't have a family leave plan? No. Monster. No, of course not. Fucking Monster. Next you're going to say he, with does, you. he doesn't have any kind of uh, universal medical care either. I don't think he has an HR department, period. Well, I'm saying he's got slave labor for doctors. I don't know why you don't... That, yeah. that, that's that's a, the only, that, That's like their main... It seems like one of the main barriers to having universal health care. If we just enslave all the doctors and nurses... <laughs> Free health care, y'all. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's, he's, he's taking care of that. And crucial step. He has. He sees the, the means of health care production. Mm-hmm. And he's still charging? Fucker. So Morales takes him at gunpoint, and time for another face montage. Oh as yeah! We end the episode as we started it stupidly. So here's here's the main problem with bringing two big problems I see with bringing Morales back. It gives them yet another uh, reason to say this is what we could become because Morales has clearly turned from being you know with the group mm-hmm. to with the saviors. Yeah. I know they're going to have this – hold him up as an example of how things could go badly for them if they go off the deep end killing people, right? Right. He's going to be just another example of that. Number two, this gives them – I guarantee this season we are going to see a Morales flashback of how he joined the Saviors. Guarantee it. If that's a whole episode, <laughs> can is. we boycott it? Can the we just take episode. the week off? Can it, we just take the week off? Can we pre-record? We can we, we pre-record yeah. a message saying we we warned these people? Uh-huh. We warned them that there'd be consequences of a Morales backstory episode. Uh, our our terms were not met. Our warnings were not heeded, and and therefore this podcast doesn't exist. As long as it hits on an episode where we don't we don't have ads sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll sell the ads on we'll that. Do, we'll do a three-minute episode with a three-minute ad? Yeah, yeah. They didn't say it had to be an entertaining podcast we put an ad on. It just had to be a podcast. Show me in our terms and conditions where it says the inter- the podcast has to be entertaining. <sighs> okay, so it probably is somewhere in there. Definitely. Uh, you can't sabotage the ad. Damn it. All right, well, on if, unless, unless Sonos or HelloFresh or Harry's Razors or... Casper mattresses or Audible or who knows what we got lined up. Um, we'll do an ad for all of them that episode. Mm. It'd be what would be the most ironic thing for us to boycott them or like uh, the tourist board of Atlanta mm-hmm. booked an ad and yeah. we're just like, oh, you know, we're piecing out of Atlanta the same way Morales is. He's going to his family in Alabama. Wasn't that where he's going? That he's heading to Alabama. I don't remember. All you right. know, it's been a while. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, did did we have any f- feedback, or did the uh, did our fans boycott the episode? No, we've got plenty of feedback. Sweet. Let's let's consider it. Real quick before we get to feedback, I wanted to talk about today's sponsor, which is Bombfell. Um, and if you are not familiar with Bombfell, the thing you need to know most of all, this is an online service 
that makes uh that is an easier way for men to get better clothes um the the service is fully personalized meaning that every piece of clothing that you get is handpicked for you by your own stylist um the way it works is uh it's it's a few simple steps first you sign up um and you in that process you tell the you tell the bombfell people about yourself like your measurements your style preferences uh, stuff like that. You kind of set the budgets that you're comfortable spending on different types of clothing. Um, and it's kind of cool. You can customize it per per type of clothing. So if you say, oh, well, I want to spend $90 on a shirt, um, that doesn't apply to like a belt, for instance. So they send you a $90 belt. You're like, wow, this is the best belt I've ever had, but it was $90. <laughs> uh, shirts are more reasonable at 90 what Jeans if, are more reasonable at what 90 What if the belt lets you fly? Uh, That's, I would that pay 90 bucks that for that $90 belt. belt's a fucking steal. That's true. Um, and they might send those if you choose, like, the top-tier belts. I don't know. Uh, I kept mine in a modest belt. I'm not really much of a belt guy, but I am a shirt guy. Uh, so I went a little higher on the shirts. So, yeah, you set the the budgets and your style and your measurements. Uh, and then you set up your order. You say, okay, when when do I want it and what do I want? So you can get up to, I think, five pieces per order. Um, and you can say, I want two pairs of jeans. I want one shirt and one belt and a belt that makes me fly. Um, and then you can say, I want to get it once a month, or I want to get it once every two months. Um, you really have a lot of control over when you get and what you get. Uh, and then you get a preview preview email. So before they send the shipment out, you will know exactly what you're getting. Um, they'll, they'll have pictures of everything they're going to send you, and you can go in and say, well, I don't really like that shirt. I like the style, but maybe not the color. So you can say, pick something else for me before you send this order. Uh, once you get the order, uh, and that, that period lasts for about 48 hours, so you have a good amount of time to choose what you want. Let me ask you this. If, if you if you sent a stylist that I need something to battle zombies in the post-apocalyptic future. Do you car think, hearts. All car uh, hearts. See, I think I, they, they wouldn't send like just tank tops and short shorts? Probably not. I mean, that's the, Rosita needs bombfell personalization. Yeah, yeah, she does. Lots of people in the show needs some professional outfitters. That's not a $90 hat, I guarantee it. <laughs> and I've never seen her fly. Nope. So I know she's not nope. spending on belts. For sure. Uh, I don't think they send holsters. Mm. They don't have any gun holsters. That might be something for them to look forward to. I mean, that's uh, fine. She's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll get it there. They'll get there when the CDC declares a national emergency. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but, you know, if you're getting a gun holster or a belt that makes you fly, you have seven days to try it all out. Um, say, okay, does this gun holster look right with my jeans that I got? Um, does, does it in fact work? Can I fly? Uh, you know, it, does it fit right? Um, am I super satisfied with the clothes that I've been given? And if not, it's super easy to package them back up in the same box that they provide for you. Um, they provide all of the shipping labels, so you just slap a label on it, stick it in the box, send it back. Uh, and there, you, you don't pay for any of the shipping on that. You don't have to worry about it. It makes it very easy. If you really don't like going out and shopping and trying on a bunch of clothes... You can do it in the privacy of your own home. I've had a great experience with Bombfell. Um, probably half my wardrobe at this point is Bombfell stuff. I have like nerdy tees and Bombfell. I mean, even to your 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 t shirt now is a giant bomb uh, 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 t shirt. So that's like, yeah. still kind of on on brand. It is. I, I wasn't provided this specific one by Bombfell, but like all my flannels, I got giant Bombfell. Bombfell. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's that's the upgrade where they send the flying belt <laughs> and the gun holster. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been super satisfied with them. So I suggest you check out Bombfell 
And right now, if you go to bombfell.com slash TWD, you can get $25 off your first purchase, which goes a pretty long way toward getting you that flying belt. Yeah, like three quarters. I mean, if it's a $90 flying belt, you just yeah. got to scrounge another, what, 75 bucks? 70 I mean, it bucks? could probably 100% buy you a regular belt. Yeah. So you're getting a pretty good deal here. Yeah, go to bombfell.com. That's B O M B F E L L.com slash TWD, and you get $25 off your first purchase. This podcast episode also sponsored by us, baldmove.com. And boy, do we get the airtime cheap. We got the flying belts, we man. Got, we, got, we got a sweet, sweet deal mm-hmm. uh, on, on this. And if you go to, you go to club.baldmove, you, may, you might ask yourself, man, Jim and Aaron, they've done a lot of podcasts. Just in these last two weeks, I think we did 317 <laughs> podcasts. Uh, how, how do they do it? Well, uh, we're, we're, we're paid. We're, we're paid full-time jobs. Because, uh, we're paid full-time because this is a full-time job. Uh, if you like Air Walking Dead podcasts, you like the Game of Thrones podcast, you like Mr. Robot, you like American Horror Story, you like Stranger Things that we just wrapped up a, a season two marathon on, uh, then maybe, maybe you would like to step up to the club, the club.baldmove.com, where you can go and for a monthly fee, get access to a bunch of premium content, video versions of the podcast, ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, a lot of exclusive bonus material, like we just did an Empire podcast where... We went through all the finances, the, all the money we've made this year, and our expenses, and uh, like the the plans we're 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 making for next year. If you want to know like the inside details of a podcast startup, well, the Empire Podcast is an awesome way to do that, and you can only get if you're a club member. Next week we got Quip, Quit Your Pitching, the fantastic show where we just pitch crazy TV shows to each other and try to make each other laugh. It's a good time. There's a lot more like that at club.baldmove.com. We could really use your support. Uh, I've got some stuff from last week that I wanted to talk about real okay. quick. Um, so a bunch of uh, corrections and additional information, I guess. Um, so corrections, moi. Yeah. So we were, not we were speculating on whether or not this was the original RV, or or more specifically, when the original RV got destroyed. Um, Sean in writes in and says that's not the original RV. It was lost at Herschel's farm. Best boyfriend at the time was in it. And he drove it up against the barn where it ended up catching fire with him in it. I believe. I thought they drove away. I thought that like Rick and Carl oh, jumped no. on top and it got and they it, it, they got to drive more away. corrections. <laughs> All right, people write in and correct Sean if he's wrong. Um, says that RV never made it to the prison or beyond. Huh. Um, right. So Ashley also has some other corrections for us michonne stayed behind because she's injured from the fight she had in the finale same for rosita who got shot she doesn't know why carl stayed carl stayed because rick's a prick um i guess that's okay if you're injured you can stay behind for all-out war yeah that works uh eugene gave rick the instructions for making bullets in season six yeah, but we haven't seen him use any of those. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how's that a correction? Uh, I think all this current current ammo came from Oceanside, right? But either way, they don't need Eugene. They um, don't? I, like, have you seen how much bullets they've been expending? Yeah, I, that's the other thing that we didn't talk about, is just the sheer number of bullets um, yeah. that they're shooting. And I, I, to some degree, don't care about the you know unlimited ammo hack and, and that you, they're using. And I would believe but, that this raid was 10 minutes start to finish. Yeah. So, like, it's not like it's a whole hour of shooting, but between the window massacre of episode 801 mm-hmm. and this the sustained firing to keep them pinned down in position, they've, like, you know, ammo's not infinite. 
Yeah, and, and even if they you have a surplus, it. why would you waste it all? Right, right. When you don't know how long this war is going to last. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, they're trying to do a decapitation strike, I guess. Uh, she continues, the R- original RV is also gone. Um, they never got it past the farm. All Second right. RV came into play when they met Aaron in season five. He and Eric used it for recruiting. Uh, also, they did not walk from Georgia to D.C. They drove from Atlanta to Richmond before running out of gas, and they had 60 miles to go. Um yeah, I don't know that we were saying they walked the whole way. Right. That's a little absurd. Um, but they certainly walked a fair distance. Uh, she also says, I think you were joking, but owls can represent death. Pretty sure it's not a tribute to Jesse. The festival Michonne talks about is from the comics, and the mention of it is rather ominous. I don't know why. I've not read the Spoiler. comics. Spoiler. There's an owl festival? There's an owl festival in the future? <laughs> Okay, sure. There's a lot of people, yeah, like, shit, why even bother watching now? Yeah, I I just gave it all away. Festival of Archimedes. It's funny, because I read that, and I guess I gave it all away, but I don't know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't, I didn't get that far. I I stopped reading right after All Out War. Uh, Flabo, Flabo, Flabo? I don't know how to say it. Flabo Flabe. Says, uh, the whole ridiculousness of the plan to go to Negan and kill him. Uh, it was one of the worst decisions. Instead of not just blowing Negan and his gang away when they come out with a baseball bat in front of 50 people with guns, there's also the idea of thousands of walkers headed to Negan's hideout. So let's just say Rick and his surrender now or never lines, and and it works. Oh, Negan actually says, fucking point. yeah, you got me. I surrender. This is a good point. Then what? All I can imagine is Rick saying, really? Oh, boy, I didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little awkward, but I got about 10,000 walkers coming to the sanctuary <laughs> in two minutes. There's no way to divert them. Right. So we got to get the hell out of here. Uh, Daryl, head back in, plant some more. Maybe they had a, another path of explosions they could take. Yeah. So like this, this whole charade about like counting down. It's it's ridiculous because Rick knows that he's not going to surrender, and yeah. he's just. I guess he's buying time it's at that PR, point. It's a PR stunt. That'd be funny. Yeah. Negan's like, "All right, Rick, uh, we, we you you got us. We're surrendering. What? What? You're going to fight to the last man? Like, <laughs> you said you'll never take us alive. You stubborn bastard. You're making me do this, Negan. You're the asshole, not me. Yep. Uh, that that was funny to think about, though. If he had actually surrendered <laughs> they'd no, that... all be screwed <laughs> oh man it'd be oh man I, that's like there's no way to do a fan cut of that but that would be that would be super funny yeah and that's the thing i mean he is expecting or at least hoping that some of his lieutenants will surrender right and all the civilians he doesn't inside. think negan's going to yeah that's my point like right. if 90 percent of these guys surrender they don't have the means to get them out of there fast enough no doesn't seem like it all right, let's move on to Gerard, who just has one comment. Window laborers are called glaziers. Gla- glaziers? Mm. I don't know how you say that. They also um, uh, make donuts. They don't make yeah. the donuts, they glaze them. They're very specialized people. They they paint windows and they glaze donuts. <laughs> All right, D- Dan from Vienna uh, has some comments about this episode. It's kind of where we pick up here. Um, I'm going to start off with a somewhat positive one. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys thought of this episode, but I really liked it. It was intense, packed with action, and most importantly, Savior's getting their asses kicked. One thing threw me, though, and that was Jesus' reaction to the surrendering Saviors. I mean, seriously, dude, do you have to show love and mercy, like, all the fucking time? 
We want Old Testament God, fire and brimstone, turn them to salt or something, for fuck's sake. Yeah, get get at, get Jesus, get Jesus out of here. Bring back Yahweh. Yeah, yeah, he's vengeful. We want some some sun turning to blood and some stones rolled down from half pillars of salt. Yeah, uh, useful. He, he was pretty annoyed by the, you know, in the middle of the during uh, during the middle of the mission, he's you know arguing with Tara about saving this guy who just tried to fucking kill him. Yeah. Um. And he says his point is exactly summed up in Morgan's response to Jesus' line, it's not what we do, which Morgan says, then what do we do? That's a fine question. Like, But it's more morgalizing, you know? He's, he's putting the question that we've already been put to many, many times before to Jesus, and it's just yeah. not interesting at this point. Yeah. Um, so John says this episode was called The Damned. Who is damned? Rick, Morgan, all our heroes, Negan's crew, the walkers, who? I mean, that's a damn fine question. Ezekiel specifically says when the walkers attack him, the dead are upon us. So the show itself calls the walkers the damned. But I think... This has nothing to do with the walkers, I think you're supposed to understand that, like, Rick, you know, killing a father. Like, that's the thing. Like, when when Rick is... And that's that's another thing in the episode I kind of liked. When Rick is fighting with that man... He's essentially fighting himself. Like Which if, man? It, it, the one he the, the one, impales? Yeah, he impales. Because if Rick was outside Judah's locked bedroom, that he would be fighting tooth and nail mm-hmm. at everything he's got. So Rick essentially killed a version of himself. Uh-huh. A version of himself with a Grace's God nipple tattoo, admittedly, but still. <laughs> and when he looks himself in the mirror, I think you're supposed to understand that. And I, and I think mm-hmm. you do. Like I said, that's that's part of the episode that I think works pretty well. The unfortunate thing is... When they all return, Rick has seen the side of the saviors that yeah. has a little more heart with the baby and the father, but potentially the father protecting the baby. Yeah. Tara has seen the exact opposite. And that's, if that doesn't cause, I mean, it's going to cause tension, but it's going to cause tension in the worst way, which is the same kind of tension we've been experiencing for seasons now. Yeah. No, it's, it's, like I said, this is. This is the scene where, you know, the translator makes friends with the German guy mm-hmm. and talks Tom Hanks and letting him go and then it comes back and kills Mellish and then he has to kill it's it's that's this it's the story but it's been told eight or nine times. Yeah. Like even Morgan himself, you can draw a pretty straight line between his fucking morgalizing and taking the wolf prisoner and the death of Tara's uh girlfriend Denise. That's definitely her name. Yeah, I don't remember how that played out. Um, and like, so like, you've already had this argument with consequences. Why the fuck are we having it again? Yeah, and we're setting up uh, this to would have be, it again. This would entirely be appropriate to have like after the fighting is done. Like again, I I don't have a big problem with them taking the saviors hostage at the end. Mm-hmm. But during a running gunfight, like, what are you going to do? You're going to bring a bunch of fucking zip ties mm-hmm. and, like, you know, knock people out and zip time. And while you're doing that, if anyone dies on your side, the easy argument to make is that person might not have died if you were not zip tying people's hands and shooting people, Jesus. Uh-huh. You're one of our best fighters. What the fuck? Yeah, and you're taking a risk that people get loose behind you. And if you ki- get yourself killed, it's it's still going to lead to the deaths of more of our people because, again, you're one of our best fighters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's yeah, not not great, not great. All right, Alex A says, was Rick planning on leaving that baby there to die? What should he have done? He he could give it to Maggie as a practice baby. 
<laughs> Practice baby. I don't think that's a thing. Stunt, stunt baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like those the babies that you just get all the savior babies and you treat them like the home ec babies. Right. You know, like it's like the egg that you got to keep from breaking for two weeks or whatever. Boy. Uh, I thought the concept of a practice baby was pretty <laughs> fucked up, so <laughs> I included it. Um, Let it turn into a zombie baby. Then you got a reusable practice baby. Oh, yeah. Yep. Realistic, uh, realistic crying and wiggling and can't bite you. It's got no teeth, so. Mm-hmm. All right, Ed in Calgary has an interesting question. Is the flash forward, is the baby in the flash forward Judith or Gracie? So this was, uh, this is one of the things I picked up on r slash the walking dead. That was the 90, there was the 5% that wasn't people posing goofily with Maggie or fucking Negan. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently that, that child was credited as six year old Judith. In okay. The credits. So pretty definitive. Yeah, unless they're unless they're lying to us in the credits, then no, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, uh, they have omitted things from the credits from time to omitted, time. Omitted, but have they ever like lied? I don't think they straight up mislabeled things. No, okay, because they could have just said six year old girl. If they want to leave it ambiguous. Yeah, uh, Chelsea from Nola says overall, The Walking Dead is so fucking pretentious and high on itself. It started out amusing, but then it pissed me off. There's something offensive about it, like someone really stupid attempting to make themselves sound smart by talking down to you. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I felt like that was a really good way to explain it. You know what it's like? It's like if like Frank Darabont has told a lot of really good Stephen King movies. Like, imagine if they did a sequel to Shawshank Redemption or The Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Same cast. Like Tom Hanks is still the the guy who's who's watching over the mile. Uh, it's the further adventures of Andy Dufresne, but it's now being made by I don't know Michael Bay, <laughs> Zack Snyder. It's it's <laughs> Zack Snyder written, Michael Bay directed, uh, Shawshank Redemption two. <laughs> we that's the this is the darkest timeline that that we are living in. Yeah. Or, uh, or yeah, Michael Bay did 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 Shawshank too, and then they fired him uh, over budget concerns, and brought in Zack Snyder to do Shawshank three, <laughs> Shawshank Shawshank harder. Uh-huh. It's it's so like, but they continue. You're right. The pretension is this show's mission statement was to do like a triple A quality golden age of television version of zombie apocalypse and yeah. frank darabont was trying his damnedest to do that and they fired him for it yeah they fired him for the sin of trying to do that and they continue in their marketing campaign and the self-importance of the production to try to get that aesthetic mm-hmm. and it's just a fucking mockery of itself yeah, and I mean, the talking down to you really comes into play with The Talking Dead, right? Where they come oh, on Lord. and they explain to you how you've missed the point and how here's the reasons why your objections to this aren't correct. Right. And I, and I start to feel like these people either just don't understand that what they're making is bad and they don't understand how anyone could not like it, or they just don't care and they're out there... You know, saying stuff to patch it over and go to the next episode will make a million more dollars. Nature. Like you see it with politics, too. It's like when someone's presented with information that challenges their worldview, they go running for the first person that tells them, oh, no, that's bullshit. It's wrong. And they're like, aha, I knew I was right all along. Like, like, yeah. uh, it's not stupid that the Alexandrians got this door open and they froze because they shot because we're trying to tell the story of these very afraid, 
not battle tested Alexandrians balking at gunfire. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, aha, I knew it wasn't stupid, but then they don't, they don't come around for the next, like, but, but they did shoot the guy right in front of the guys that shot them. Right. And Morgan's not, uh, not a Morgan's soft, gun shy, gun shy person. No, it's, it's not like they did. They, they got half of the guys behind them because Morgan right. was blasting and he didn't. And, and piss pants guy, shaky gun, shaky Pete wasn't, wasn't up on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like they, they just, the, the very first thing that tells them it's, it's okay. The, the, the problems that you yourself see and feel this cognitive dissonance it's just, it's just a bunch of haters then they they go back and this like i mean i i don't people enjoy shit for all kinds of different reasons the mm-hmm. only thing that annoys me is when they're fucking in denial about it yeah like you know or they try to tell me and that seems to be the majority of the talking dead yeah yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but <laughs> I've seen what people are saying um, is coming out of the Talking Dead. Yeah, like people quoting Gimple or any of the other people on there, Chris right. Hardwick or whatever, and it it's just obvious to me that nobody nobody's going to take the criticism to heart. And then, They're going to yeah. try and cover it up. And, and also, my default position is if it's not on the screen, then you fucked up. Yeah. You can't say in the Walking Dead, "Well, you were supposed to understand." Well, that's what I feel about this whole episode. Like yeah. they had in their heads a very clear picture of what they were trying to do with these battles, right? And it just didn't make it to the screen. They never thought, "Does the audience understand this?" We understand it, but does the audience? Right. And they just either they never thought to ask that question, which blow, would blow my mind, or they asked it and just weren't able to execute uh, well enough to tell me what the hell's going on. Yeah, like I said, I think it's it's possible to understand the battle plan, but mm-hmm. you don't. It's not possible to understand the battle plan until halfway through the episode. And whether yeah. you think that's good storytelling, avant-garde storytelling, challenging storytelling, or not, I guess is a subjective opinion. Yeah, and I I get a little, but it's like, I'm not sure what the difference is between an episode like this and an episode in Breaking Bad where they're devising the plan with the magnet. Uh-huh. To, to erase the data because we don't know what the hell they're doing right. for most of that plan, right? right? We see them fucking around with a magnet and then we see them driving to the location and we're like, right. as I recall, we don't we don't understand exactly what they're doing yet, but somehow it's riveting. Well, because, again, that's a heist. Mm-hmm. So you know what the objective is. There's computer equipment that's in this police locker that's in incredibly incriminating yeah and all as, as soon as they open it up and start looking at it the game the game is going to be over i guess we do know don't we because jesse has a laptop out right and and, and this, so then as they go up and you don't know how they're going to do it but when they pull up and there's like the electro man then you start seeing the metal start slowly like everything about that is visually telling you right the execution of the plan that Walt and company already have in it. Just like, you know, same thing with Ocean's Eleven. The, the, I think you nailed it perfectly. The difference here is, like, you're not sure whether they're trying to rob the bank or kill Andy Garcia. Yeah. Um, and you don't know that until halfway through. And by then, like, that just makes following the action even harder. Or it makes the mm-hmm. action that come came up to that point largely irrelevant. I, I Like I said, I... You can enjoy this for, but that's the other thing that annoys me is like when you start pinning down some of these people, like, you know, you get the, the few people that come to the second level where you're like, well, it makes sense that they didn't shoot because there weren't battle hardened. Okay, then why did they shoot the first guy? And why didn't, and, and Morgan's battle hardened? Why didn't, like, somebody die? Then they come back with, like, look, it's a show about zombies. Uh-huh. Like, they always retreat to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, well, then why did you fucking fight me on the first one? And why'd you hire Darabont to do a show about zombies? Yeah. Like, if you just wanted schlock, hire somebody who does schlock. Right, 
Right. Darabont's not a schlock guy. <laughs> it's like, it's like and, and, and when you finally pin him down, they always retweet to him. It's just a stupid, like, oh, it's a show about zombies, and zombies aren't real. You're just sweating. I'm like, okay, then why am I talking to you? This is dumb. Yeah, you know what's also a show about fantastic things? Game of Thrones. Right. And they fucking nail little details like well, this most of the time. Careful. <laughs> this last <laughs> they, season has they've been, certainly they've been, been... struggling. Yeah, but... been problematic, but... Come on, we're talking about a track record of six seasons here right. where they fucking nail it. So, and that's the thing, like, I... And if, it's grounded if, in reality. If The Walking Dead was super <laughs> compelling with great characters and, and clear action and objectives beyond just survival misery porn, mm-hmm. and one episode a season, they had to, you know, it's like, well, as a penalty for all this fantastic stuff, like, once or twice a season, there's gonna, you're going to have to swallow some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I this this podcast would be entirely different. Yeah. But it's not what I'm what I'm what I'm doing increasingly is I'm looking for the one or two episodes or even the one or two parts of one episode that I think is good mm-hmm. and then passing time making fun of the show the rest of the time. Yeah, I I keep thinking back to like when this show turned into something that I could tell they obviously didn't care enough about and I think it, it was, was a season 3 finale. I know exactly. Well, so season three finale was bad. I think where I really started noticing it was, when, I think it was the end of season five when night turned to day instantaneously. Oh, right. And they did it purely just because they wanted a creepy night scene. Right. And they were like, you know what? It doesn't make sense, but fuck it. Let's do right. it anyway. Right. We've already shot these and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And at that point, they just broke, they broke whatever, you know, little bit of respect they had uh-huh. um, from me. And I just can't see the show the same way. Yeah. And it's been a downhill slide ever since. They're getting worse and worse about it. Well, also, that was around about the time where we are like, well, give Gimple some, you know, he had a bad, he was dealt a bad hand of cards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all, that shit's that's all sailed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right, let's maybe yeah. move on. Uh, <laughs> Layla wants to talk about something a little more serious. Bring it, Layla. All right, she says, the Carol and Ezekiel scenes mostly serve as another chance for Carol to absorb more of Ezekiel's worldview. He tells her to fake it till she makes it, which is funny because Carol was always the queen of disguise and deception. She did fake it till she made it. We remember Carol's cookies. Uh, But when she moved into the Carol cabin, she dropped all of her facades. She stopped faking it or trying at all. Uh, Now it seems like Ezekiel is giving her something she thought she lost, which is hope. And funnily enough, he's persevering through acting, just like Carol used to do. Where do you think Carol's arc is going? Still think she's that she'll sacrifice herself for the group since her soul is lost, or is Carol beginning to heal and find happiness again? You know, first of all, I want to take a little bit of issue with Layla's contrast um, between what Ezekiel's doing and what Carol's doing, because Carol was using that to cover her true intentions, like a like espionage or a spy. Yeah. Where Ezekiel is like bullshitting his way through a job interview, and if he keeps doing it as the leader of the free world, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and if he, as he, and, if, and, and and as he as he keeps doing it, he gets enough experience, and like you know, if he doesn't, everybody dies anyway because mm-hmm. like they they want to pitch it like that that this this community was foundering until he came with his you know knowledge of Shakespeare and his playing Martin Luther King and Ma- Malcolm X in community theater and he used that experience like there's already a difference in what is actually going on here mm-hmm. um so as far as Carol's arc I hope not because Carol she herself has been swinging in this path of mousy housewife to 
competent leader to insane warlord to fake fake mousy housewife to cynical this like just 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 kill off innocent people to protect that might be a threat to protect the group to back to like okay i see the value like she's already kind of done this pendulum as much as rick as much as everybody on this show Mm -hmm. like name a person who has not gone through this pendulum two or three times and maybe Mm -hmm. again you know, I think the the r slash Walking Dead pro fan crowd would be like, well, that's realistic. These people are all post traumatic stressed, and they're all have a variety of untreated mental illnesses, and all. And I'd be like, okay, fine, but real life is not usually compelling storytelling. Mm. Even a fucking given episode of Cops, they have to heavily edit. Uh, and even you know, what I'm saying like real life rarely is something that you watch. Yeah. Uh, I no, so I'm, with you. I'm I'm looking for art. I'm looking for mm-hmm. something that's elevated that makes me think or like entertains me on a consistent basis. And 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 Carol grappling with this issue again. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be thrilled to find out that they're they're doing that. In fact, no. I, but I would put my money on them returning Carol to her previous self so that they can. Go through this cycle all over again. I, although I think the thing that's going to change is I, I kind of think Carol's going to die this season. Yeah. Uh, and I even feel like might. Melissa seems a lot more checked out in these episodes than I've seen. Now, she could be just because she's playing this reluctant warrior because um, I do think she's professional. But I, I felt like I've noticed that she's just a little bit more checked out in her scenes than she's been before. Mm-hmm. But because um, the other thing, she was a Darabont. Like, a most of these people are dare were were dare about acolytes and they've all yeah. been systemically eliminated and she's like yeah. really the last one the hold out. i think she's the last one that still was brought in by the promise of darebot and she's still trucking through eight seasons later yep uh i would be very surprised to see her survive and then like that's not it's <laughs> not character advancement but it would prevent her from a descent into another round of morgalizing yeah uh, and our final email is from Anthony P. He talks about something we have sort of talked about already. Um, so I'll just paraphrase. It's essentially, um, you know, you can decipher what exactly they're trying to do if you look closely enough at this episode. Mm-hmm. However, he says, here's the issue. It would be nice if the show fucking explained what it's doing to the audience at least a little bit. Even Game of Thrones will show their hand. What's interesting isn't the plan. What's interesting is how it goes right or wrong. That's drama. Set the stakes and then fuck with it. That's what the writers do not comprehend that says a lot about why the quality of the show has dropped so much. I couldn't agree more. You right. know, It's not like, ooh, what's their master plan? If this was all just a heist show, if this was Ocean's Eleven, the TV show, maybe right. that would be interesting. But we would sure as shit know the exact goal going in. And that's the thing. Like, that's, like if you're, you're going to – and then they could have told this as a heist. Like, yeah. some of the best Breaking Bad episodes were heist episodes. Sure, yeah. But there's a way to tell that using the language of cinema that that makes sense and if you try to tell a war film as a heist film or if you try to tell a heist film as a war film it just doesn't work it's like imagine if you shot a rom-com like a horror film uh-huh. with, with random jump scares and minor chords and shit people would be like what the fuck is going on and that's exactly yeah. what's that's that's as ridiculous as what they're doing when they shoot a war film like a heist film yeah and i think he says you know, when he says set the stakes and then fuck with it, like ha- not what's going to happen, but how are they going to pull it off? Yeah. You know, are they going to be able to pull it off when something goes wrong? How are they going to deal with it? Like, right. 
that's drama. That's yes. the part that keeps me engaged as a viewer, yes. putting myself in the this, this situation of these characters. When I'm completely lost, yes. I can't do that. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell the characters are doing. Compelling drama is characters that you care about. Mm-hmm. So, because if you don't care about the characters, then you're lost. Because, like, regards to how well the stakes, you don't give a shit. You're just yeah. watching random strangers succeed or fail, and why do I care? Mm-hmm. Then you have to know the stakes so that you can appreciate them... Like like the the price of their failure or or the the cost of their victory or whatever. Yeah, you understand they need to succeed here. Yeah, and then you have to tell that story as clearly and concisely as possible. And any confusion in the viewer should be intentional. Yeah. Like, for example, I shouldn't be confused about whether a guy that Morgan is looking at is dying or is an actor that's shitty at portraying a dead person. Uh-huh. I was confused legitimately. Yeah. The second time through, I'm like... I think this is what they're saying, but I, I I don't know for sure. And when when none of those things are working at any level, then it's just okay, whatever. Then it's the Walking it's, Dead. Then it's time to go to spoiler section. <laughs> sure is. Uh, that's all the emails we got. Want to tell people how they can send more? Walking Dead at baldmove dot com. Uh, you can also go to forums dot com to discuss the episode each week. Uh, you can also follow us on social media to f- keep up with the latest goings on in the Bald Move Empire. And also, uh, speaking of that, our home base is baldmove dot com. I'm sure next episode will be a return to form for The Walking Dead, and we'll all be happy. I'm, here's the uh, thing that we were discussing last yeah, night. I was about to mention Most this. Of, Mostly The Walking Dead start strong, finish strong, they get lost in the middle. I was more high on the premiere than you were, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like the world's greatest Walking Dead premiere. We're two episodes in, and I feel like they're really sp- kind of spinning their wheels with, with a lot of stuff they're trying to do. So, God, I hope... I hope they 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 have a good episode here or there. They if, need a good one, and I, I mean, I'm glad there isn't uh, like Stranger Things episode three or season three next weekend because yeah. I I feel like my my view of the episode was sort of influenced by having just watched one of the best things I've seen all year uh, that entire weekend. And yeah, and, I, it and, seems and like... I don't think like my criticisms are inac- inaccurate from it, but I think I just came away with a more negative taste it, in my mouth. It, yeah, and I, I think it's it's easy. Like it's like if you just ate uh, a, a great steak dinner mm-hmm. at like a, you know the best steak joint in your town, mm-hmm. and then someone gave you a double stack <laughs> from Wendy's. Like, uh-huh. you might eat a Wendy's when you're hungry and, like, that's eh, not bad. It's like, okay. It's like, you know, obviously this isn't the greatest, but you're going, you're already full from this awesome meal. And you're going to, I mean, The Walking Dead has never had favors done when we're covering uh, Westworld, Westworld or, or like, Mr. Robot or, or season one of uh, True Detective. Like, the, yeah. the, the, the best times for Walking Dead is when it doesn't have a lot of competition for our hearts uh-huh. because it just makes you angry. And that's the other thing. Um, I feel like a lot of the pro fans on The Walking Dead don't watch much but horror zombie films and The Walking Dead and reality television because, like, else, you know, why do these threads like Andrew Lincoln should get an Emmy this year? Like, like they just don't understand what the state of the art in the television is. Yeah. Because if you did, you, you, you would, you know, you wouldn't be saying some of the things he did. Anyway. Hmm. That sounds like talking down to TV fans I, i'm trying not to but uh well you you need your own show talking watching dead talking down to walking talking dead fans down. that'd be a great we should do a youtube series no, that's gonna be the title of a one-star itunes review we get this week yeah probably <laughs> 
That's fine. With Aaron Harddick. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go to let's go to spoilers. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. If you want to hear some spoilers, join us through the music. If not, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. back with the spoilers uh you said you had a diatribe to go on here or at least a dialogue yeah i so the climax of this all-out war Mm -hmm. is rick having this internal debate about whether he should kill negan or take him prisoner why are we fucking doing this right now (laughs) you're fucking you're fucking up with your big season reveal your all-out war is where you fucking kill people Mm -hmm. you win the all-out war and then you decide what kind of person you're going to be at the end how you're going to rebuild society yeah and by having all these horse shit debates multiple times an episode multiple characters it it blunts the decision that rick is going to make to pardon the ultimate evil of the show Mm -hmm. and taking prisoner rather than just summarily executing him and how do they not know that man maybe they're gonna twist it up up until maybe this year that's the thing with, with, with and maybe maybe or I, maybe they are gonna kill him rather uh maybe uh, kirkman's been just as frustrated with me this whole time because mm-hmm. like it's always been like you wrote the fucking comic books why the hell do you do have you do you continually misunderstand your own material now he's he's left the show to go on to the greener pastures and then suing the pants off amc yeah i, I just I, I don't know i don't know hmm. i'm also looking ahead because i'm like well maybe we'll have like some better directors coming up because we had greg nicotero uh and um rosemary rodriguez who i've never heard for from before I, i've I done a lot at, of tv stuff yeah. looked at it and she's done but not not Nothing a lot like of crazy stuff. high profile or anything like yeah. jessica jones like which episode of jessica jones did she direct right. sneaky pete which i checked out on episode four right 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 like I, I i don't know she directed one of the episodes with the uh like fucking shitty red-headed twins then that's not that's not a credit <laughs> at all or one of the saggy middle episodes yeah yeah well she did she wrote 10 that's got to be one of the uh the the saggy middle episodes so i i mean you know whatever she's she's certainly now michelle mclaren or alan taylor and mm-hmm. then greg uh is going and directing another one for the next episode so and i don't like yeah, i don't like his, greg nicotero as a director no his directing has been you know poor to bad you know who's responsible for that day to night bullshit him greg nicotero yeah. mm-hmm. greg nicotero did the shitty tunnel uh, set yeah. piece for Glenn yeah. trying to get to Maggie. Like he's committed many, many cinematic sins because in the favor of cool effects and right, action. Right, that's what you're going to get. So episode three, I'm going to assume is more of the same. Not mm-hmm. super exciting. So again, like I, I, when I saw this prisoner stuff, I'm like, I can't wait to get to the spoiler section because to me, they are. It's the opposite of a Chekhov's gun. It's like. You set up a mystery about whether the butler's going to do it or not. And I always thought, like, last last week, I'm like, this time jump with the Muslim kid and Mercy Override and Wrath, they're already really foreshadowing the shit out of this. And it's going to make it mm-hmm. be, like, just, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to be accepted. Like, there's going to be no drama in, in Rick doing this decision. 
But now it's like not only is there going to be no drama, people are going to be bored to death of the argument. Yeah, because they've already had it, you know, five times in the series and another two times this season. Yeah. It's going to be completely ridiculous. Yeah. And maybe it happens because, like, I maybe some of this stuff happens in the comic books like this. Um, hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's like... it's I would argue it's a lot easier to swallow in a comic book where you can blaze through an issue right. in 10 minutes. Right. L- less than. In Especially a lot of these are all out where they're just like splash yeah. page after splash page. Like, you could finish them in, like, like under five minutes. Like, fuck. Right. So if you have 100 issues, it's dealing... You know, three times with right. with a specific problem, right? You don't notice, and it that, as that's much. the other thing is like you know that's part of the difference of adapting stuff. You got to know what like works and the rhythms of television and setting up not only individual three act parts for every episode, but mm-hmm. the season itself has to have like these three arc kind of like story wheel type concepts, and they just fucking cannot get a handle on either end of that execution. <laughs> yeah. And like they're like and, and what's where someone needs to fucking tell them they that you cannot do time jumps. Mm-hmm. That that is something that you can't deconstruct something until you can construct something. You're talking about like flashbacks, flash forwards. Yeah, that shit is not, just making not like things actual worse. time jumps, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. I think they're gonna do a time jump potentially in right. the middle of the season here. Yeah, like you can't tell a non-linear story until you can tell a linear one. Right. It's like you're trying and, and these to kind of this kind of thing if you want to say oh this is just a zombie movie chill out those are never artsy you you never see the artsy zombie films as the ones that like are praised right the zombie fans want a linear story just told with cool action i mean there are badass characters and some good dialogue i mean there are even campy dialogue but there there are higher concepts yeah 30 days later that's a great example about to say but but it's not like the same thing that they're going for here right nobody hired nicotero on 30 days later 28 days later 28 days later yeah yeah 30 30 is the uh sandra bullock (laughs) thing and we won't talk about that (laughs) where she turns into a zombie Uh, all right that's all i had to talk about i just want to that that main thesis of like i can't believe they're giving away their the the fucking store here uh so speaking of flash forwards um or time jumps rather Luca has some quotes, some choice quotes from an interview with uh, production somebody on the production crew mm-hmm. um, who's talking about the difference between the first and second half of the season. Um, and he says, oh, I'm not going to say story-wise what is resolved and when, but the tone and the stakes are very different between the first and second half of the season. There's a left-hand turn that really focuses things up in a very different and weird way. And another quote is, I will neither confirm nor deny what flash forward or dreams are but you will know halfway through the season what they are why they're there what they mean and what they mean for the future of the show answers will be had around episode eight or nine uh and then luca goes on what are your thoughts guys i don't know about you but as far as i'm concerned ending the all-out war in this first half may be a godsend the alternative could definitely definitively doom the show for me as beyond redeemable yeah a time jump with a new kind of agrarian community with an entire new look new stakes new characters new storylines and the like is just what the walking dead needs sooner rather than later totally no i think the the time jump uh with like an execution like and with um an execution of like the whispers plot line and maybe they could it seems like they're also signaling that they want to rebuild the show around carl unless i'm yeah i've got and, some and, quotes and, from people where carl says i'm out if andrew lincoln's out which we've talked about before um that could be a problem. Chandler's saying that? Yeah. Well, I mean, unless yeah, so they, unless they jump forward enough and... to like just recast him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. 
Uh, Jump forward five years, find a kid with big hair, an, an, an older right. kid or with big hair. he can just, hair. like, have a grown-up haircut. Yeah? <laughs> just wear the hat. Just put the hat what on anybody. Steve? What about Steve? Put the hat on Paul Giamatti. You I'll put, say, hey, yeah, that's Carl. You put the hat on Steve from Stranger Things. Who says that's not Carl in five years? No, you're right. You're right. There you go. Please. Except for he's already doing a much better, highly acclaimed <laughs> show. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, fuck, I forget his name, but, dude, if they come to you and say... Here's $10 million, jump ship from Stranger Things, do Walking Dead. Give hey, them the bird. They, they they backed up a dump truck full of money and dumped $10 million in my driveway. I would jump in Chris Hardwick's seat and swallow. Yeah. I'd drink that Kool-Aid as fast as anybody. Yeah, but presumably this guy wants to go on and have a future career. He, you Not know? this guy. He wants $5 yeah. million, $10 million in one pile, and then <laughs> sell his soul for a few seasons. Go to Aruba. Yeah, maybe that's the Hardwick plan. Uh, the, the, here's yeah. the thing, though. Even with the the forward time jump, <laughs> um, if we go like five years in the future and they say, "Okay, new look, new stakes, new characters, new storylines," that's fine. But you're not going to get a new result. You're not going to get a different result without new cast, new production team, right. new executives. You need a fresh reboot on this thing if you have any hope of me taking it seriously. Well, because don't think that they're not going to take a new idea and new storylines and fuck them up the same way. Yeah, and that's that's the other key thing is I remember, you know, like I was a big ER fan um, in the very in the precursor to the Golden Age and the, the, the Gilded Age of television. Mm. Um, and I remember there was a couple of seasons where, like, you know, fucking... Uh, what was it? Goose. Goose from Top Gun left. George Clooney left. Um, Margolis, uh, I forget her first name, left. And it was essentially uh, Noah Wiley. Yeah. Uh, and a couple other guys holding down the fort. And it, things got silly. Like, they fucking cut one doctor like like one doctor's arm off with the tail rotor of a helicopter and then later the next season the fucking helicopter crashed on top of him and that was i clearly remember that episode is like you know what fuck this show fuck this show and then like two years later the I remember, same helicopter I, well i mean how many fucking helicopters does a hospital have oh is the hospital's helicopter yeah it's like the emergency response air, maybe like news or and i'm like Okay, fuck this show. And I stopped watching, and like I remember two years ago, NBC had this ad campaign where fuck. they'd gotten a new showrunner and they'd gotten some new talent, and they're like, critics are saying ER is the best it's ever been. And I was like, yeah, sure. but I'm watching 24 now or whatever it is. Right. And like you just never get people back. Yeah. Like like who's gonna who's gonna invest the time and like okay well I guess I'll watch these these two terrible seasons to figure out what's going on in the plot so I can start enjoying The Walking Dead again. I just I don't know. I feel no, like they're in a Honestly what it would take for me is maybe a reboot on a different network because it's clear that we've been through this before. You can change the showrunner. You can change mm. all the writers and directors. It doesn't make a damn bit of difference because the people at the top are the ones calling the shots and they're just not Yeah, you're right. calling the, real... the right shots. They would have to get rid of Gail Ann Hurd and like all of the people at the top, the, the people who are making the decisions. The real criminals are the the executives, uh, the AMC executives that have dominion over the show. Yeah. I don't even know who those people are. Because we've seen all the pieces swapped around before, right. and it just hasn't made a difference. If anything, it's made it worse. Yeah. So it would require, like, Netflix picking it up and saying, complete reboot. Let's yeah. do this thing right. Yeah. So And then maybe I'd give it another chance. But, I mean, what the fuck am I talking about? I'm still watching this stupid show. Right. And I feel like a hostage at some points. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we've always said the season where it just never works and we're not having fun covering it is the season where that's the last season we'll do in The Walking yeah. Dead. Like, this isn't a fucking suicide Guess what? Pact. This episode wasn't fun. Two episodes in a row that haven't been particularly fun. Yeah. To, like, I, I struggled even, like, other than the Daryl's cologne riff at, at mm-hmm. the very beginning uh, of uh-huh. the face montage. Like, I didn't even feel like I was especially funny. Yeah, it was a rough weekend, though. It was is a very true. very long weekend for us, so I'm I'm trying to not say oh this is the end of the Watching Dead because I don't know I might have just been tired. Yeah, but. yeah, and that's like I said, like you know it's all because like next week they could like come back and have some kind of entertaining you know episode that 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 makes everything better. But the Morales bottle episode. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you know <laughs> we'll know. I think when it's time, everybody knows when it's time to move on. And like I've heard from so many fans that a lot of them have, and like I've heard yeah. from a surprising amount of people that like we only really listen to your podcast. I think that was about. 50% of the emails I got is I don't watch the show anymore yeah. except to listen to you guys. So it's like, I mean, at some point I'm tempted to like, let's do, let's just start our own fiction. Like, let's like, no one will know differently. <laughs> right. Half our audience will just be like, oh, wow, I can't believe they're fucking doing that. And we just like, mm-hmm. just make up, make up an episode full of ridiculous shit and see how long it takes people to call. Like, you know what? <laughs> I got to watch this show just to see if it's true. Yeah. And then, then the jig's up. I, yeah. The helicopter landed on Daryl. It was rough. <laughs> right after cutting his arm off the previous season, yeah, like like Daryl got his Daryl gets his arm caught in the spokes of a motorcycle, <laughs> mangles it, and the next season it flips over and kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see, we'll see if that's the, if, if that happens. But yeah, it's not a lot of stuff to uh, hang hang your hat on as a Walking Dead fan right now. Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's a shame, but you know we're, we'll see how it goes over yep. the course of the next few episodes. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Again, walking dead at baldmove.com for feedback, uh, forums.baldmove.com. Check out everything we do at baldmove.com, baldmove.com, baldmove.com. I'm Aaron. I'm baldmove.com. See you later.